All right, Philippians chapter number four, if you'll join me in verse number four, and we'll read verses four through verse eight. If you need a a note sheet, slip up your hand as I'm reading, we'll get that to you. Philippians chapter four, we'll get verse four. How about we read this verse together? Ready, begin. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. One more time. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Wow, what a verse. Paul goes on. He says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I like this part. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what's the next word? Think. Think on these things, on these things. This will be our last message in the series, Strengthened in Our Mind. And I'm excited to preach this today because we know, and most of us know, that most of life's battles are won or lost in our what? In our minds, in our minds. Over the last several weeks, we've learned a few things. We've learned that our minds create ruts. Scientists call that neuroplasticity. When we think the same things over and over again, our brain creates maps and pathways, and sometimes we get stuck in a certain uh, thought pattern. Paul calls these thought patterns strongholds. We saw that in 2 Corinthians. Strongholds are those things in our mind, those lies that Satan creates in our minds. I'm not good enough. No one loves me. There is no hope. These lies that Satan creates in our minds, and Paul tells us in in that chapter of Corinthians that, hey, if we can identify those as Satan's lies and apply the truth of God's word to them and invalidate those lies, then we can cast down those imaginations and pull down those strongholds. In other words, we need to replace the lie with the truth. So we learned about that. Then last Sunday, I preached a message. I hope was a help to you. The message title was, It's All in How You Frame It. And things happen to us in our life, don't they? I don't know about you, but I've had things happen to me. And you can live your entire life, the victim, you can live your entire life, you know, complaining about that and and worried about your past and worried about those imperfections and worried about that thorn in the flesh, like Paul prayed, worried about my sin, my guilt, my shame. Or you could take that and you can let God frame it for his grace and let God frame it for his glory. And so we talked about that. Those That's been the series so far. And so today I want to touch on this last thought about how to find peace of mind, how to find peace of mind. I don't know about you, but I battle anxious, worrisome thoughts. Does anybody else battle with that? Does anybody ever here have irrational thoughts sometimes? Yeah. And so I want to try to help you as this passage has helped me today, put some of those anxieties, put some of that stress and find some peace of mind. So with God's word in Philippians chapter four, hopefully today, we'll take away three powerful biblical principles straight from God's word and how we can find peace of mind. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come into this message time, I pray that you'd help minimize distractions in the room, minimize distractions in our heart. As we take the next just few minutes together and we try to find peace of mind. And Lord, I pray that you'd help everyone in the room today to listen and be helped especially. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Do any of you ever 
wake up in the middle of the night and you're trying to get some sleep. Maybe you have to get up early the next day, but you wake up in the middle of the night and your brain decides to have an anxiety party in the middle of the night. Is that how? Is anybody else besides me? You're like, I want to sleep. And your brain's like, no, we're going to talk about every weird thing and every terrible thing that could ever possibly happen to you. Has that ever happened to you? That happens to me. And uh, does that happen to you, Brother Asperly? Not usually. <laughs> That's why you have so much energy. Yeah. Yeah, it happens to me. I mean, I wake up and sometimes I stare at the ceiling and I think about, man, what if this happens? And, and how many know what I'm talking about? And especially in our life today, boy, we live in a day. Man, we're so stressed. Man, we got our phones, we got our calendars, we got our, even teenagers are stressed. Man, they got band, they got, you know, soccer practice, and they got all these things to do. And, and people here, you commute to the bay and, and listen, and bills and bills and more bills. And we live in that day today. We live in a stressful day today. So how can we find peace of mind? Is that even possible? I think about the Apostle Paul. All right. This is the man who wrote this. Here is the Apostle Paul. I don't know if you know where he is while he's writing this, but I'll tell you. He is in prison, chained to a smelly Roman guard that could care less about him. And he's sitting in this dark, damp cell. And by the way, prison back then wasn't like prison today. He wasn't watching Netflix. No, he's sitting in prison. And Paul writes the statement as he takes a whiff of that Roman soldier. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. As he hears the rat, Brother Renison, in the corner eating his food. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. As he shivers in the cold and as the darkness, he can kind of see the light from maybe another cell. As he hears the man moaning in the cell next to him over and over again. Help me, help me. As he's sitting in there in that cell, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How can he do that? How was he able to do that? I don't know about you. I missed Chick-fil-A breakfast the other day, and I was pretty depressed for like all day. I mean, that's how we are. And he's rejoicing the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So how does he do this? How can he say that? Paul is teaching us a very powerful principle here. He's teaching us that no matter what you're going through with Christ, you can have peace of mind. Why don't we say this together out loud? Ready to begin. No matter what you're going through with Christ, you can find peace of mind. How many believe that today? How many want to believe that today? Let's say it again. No matter what you're going through with Christ, you can find peace. With Christ in your life, you can find peace of mind. You can. How? How? How can we find that? Let me give you number one if you're taking notes today. Number one is this. We need to put our worries in perspective. We need to put our worries in perspective. Now, we're going to look at this verse a little more closely. Look at verse four. Paul says, rejoice. And then he says three very important words. What are they? In the Lord. In the Lord. Sometimes we hyper-focus on the word rejoice here, and we kind of skip over the in the Lord part. And actually in life, I don't know about you, but for me in life, there's some things that are not rejoice worthy. I don't like get super happy when I blow a tire in my car. I don't walk out and see the tire and I'm like, woo, rejoice in the Lord. I have a flat tire. That's not what he means. Rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, woo. Man, I can't believe Kaiser sent me another bill. I was hoping that they would. No, it's not the way it works. Some things in life are not rejoice worthy. Now, those are some silly illustrations, but what about when a family member gets sick? What about when your own kids are are sick or struggling with problems? 
There are times that we experience where it's not fun and it's not rejoice worthy. Paul's sitting in prison, not a situation he was probably super excited about. And while there are many situations we don't rejoice in, how can we rejoice simply in the Lord? We may not be able to rejoice in the flat tire, but we can rejoice what? In the Lord. We may not be able to rejoice in our family situation, but we can rejoice. See, how can I rejoice in the Lord? Because he saved you. He took your sorry soul and he, te- he picked you up and he set your feet on a rock and all God's people said, hey, that's something to rejoice about. Hey, he saved us. He gave us a new life. Hey, he listens to our prayers. He knows where you are. He never fails. I said he never fails. He never stops loving you. He never stops taking care of you. He always knows where you are. He's there to comfort you when you need comfort. There's a thousand reasons why I can rejoice in the Lord always. There's a thousand reasons why I don't want to rejoice, but there are over, there's many more reasons why I can rejoice in the Lord always. However, while we have a thousand reasons to rejoice in the Lord always, many of us struggle with perspective. And I want to illustrate that for you this way. I brought along with me two, two boxes here. And the first box I'm going to put up here, oh, excuse me, I'm going to put the first box up here, worries, Okay. I'm not going to do any magic, okay? So don't worry. Worries. And a lot of us, we have this worry box. I don't have a worry box. I bet you do. In your worry box, you have a lot of worries. Here's a worry. My adult children. My dad told me, he said, son, you'll never know what it's like raising you. Anyway, uh, no. (laughs) Adult children. Worry about them. Worry about them. Uh, How about this? Finances. How about this? The future. Oh, my soul. How about this? Uh, our government, that way, uh, there's all kinds of worries. And, and what we've done is we've created this giant worry box in our life, this giant worry box. You say, well, what's the problem with having a giant worry box with all these worries? Are you with me so far now? Come on, are you with me? How many, how many know what I'm talking about? Have some worries, have some worries, have some problems, some anxieties. I, the world calls it anxiety. Uh, we'll just call it worry today, but that's that, that feeling of dread and, and what's going to happen next. And boy, I, I, we have all these fears and all these things. And, and listen, you can be a good Christian and worry, amen? My grandma used to say, worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And that's what we do. We worry, we worry. Our kids are in there. Our debt is in there. Our future is in there. And the problem isn't with the worries. The problem is with our perspective. There are people in this room, your worry box, and and, and myself included, our worry box gets so big sometimes that it becomes bigger than God. And our worries are bigger than God is. Come on, you with me? Come on now. Our worries become bigger than God. That's the problem with our perspective. Our worries become so big that God can't take care of them. How many realize today that if my worry box gets bigger than my God, I have a perspective problem? Does anybody here have a worry that God can't handle? Yell it out if you have a worry God can't handle. Don't do it, please. <laughs> no, there is none. And so we recognize today. Did you know today that, that worrying and anxiety and all those things can become very sinful in our life? Why? Why is it sinful? Worry is a sinful distrust in God's ability to take care of me. How many, how many would readily admit today, I know God can take care of me? Only half the hands. Okay. How many would readily admit today that God can take care of me? Sure, sure. But how many still worry? My hand's up. And so sometimes as, a, as, as believers, we, we know who God is, but it's not that we 
that we don't worry because we have things to worry about is our perspective gets out of line. And all of a sudden, my worry becomes bigger than my God. And what do we need to do? We need to put things in perspective. What we need to do is we need to change things around. And we need to make God bigger than our worries. We need to make God, these will never go away. And all God's people said, there's going to always be plenty of worries to go around. But as long as God stays bigger than our worries, we'll be okay. Put things in perspective. We just got to put it in perspective. We got to realize that we serve a a, a living Savior, a living God. Listen, I don't worship some uh, statue that sits in my garden next to my fountain. I don't worship some thing on the wall that's hanging there. I, I don't worship some idea. I don't worship nature. I worship a living God who is bigger than all the things that I struggle with. A living God. We need to recognize today that we have a big God, a big God. And we realize that we have a big God. Our problems get a lot smaller. You might be thinking, well, pastor, what does that mean to make God bigger than my worries? How do I do that? Give me some nuts and bolts here. All right, look at verse six. Look at what Paul says. He says, be careful for everything. No, he says, be careful for what? Nothing. It means nothing. That word means nothing, no matter how you translate it. It means nothing. Be careful for nothing. That word careful means worry or have anxiety over So Paul is saying, listen, don't be worried about anything. Now he's sitting in prison, looking at execution, and he's telling us not to worry. I'd be sitting there thinking, "Uh, how do I get out of here? How can I bribe this soldier next to me? What can I do? And Paul says, be careful for nothing. How do we put worries in perspective? How can we change our perspective? Let me give you number two today. We need to put our worries to prayer. So how can we make this happen? How can we switch these two around? We need to put our worries to prayer. Paul says, be careful for nothing, but what? In everything by, notice notice the two differences. Don't be worried about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Paul says, be careful. Uh, Don't be careful. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried about all these things. Why? Why? Because we have a big God. By the way, that doesn't mean that we don't have worries. When Paul says, be careful for nothing, he he didn't say, you have nothing to be worried about. We all have something to worry about. If you don't, come talk to me. I'll give you some of mine. Amen. I have four boys. One of them is 15. How many of you know I have some things to worry about? Amen. Amen. So what does it mean? How How do we give these things to God in prayer? What it means is, here's what some of us need to do. It's not that we don't have worries because we do. What we need to do is we need to take our worries And we need to give them to the Lord in prayer. So instead of sitting in my rocking chair, literally just, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Boy, I hope this, I hope everything works out. Man, what am I going to do? Oh, I don't know what to do. Instead of worrying about it and and making a mess, give it to the Lord in prayer. Instead of worrying about my children, instead of worrying about my finances, instead of worrying about my health, instead of worrying about my future, instead of worrying about all these things. You know, Brother Renison, we get so so wrapped up sometimes in worries. Sometimes we borrow them from our neighbors. Oh, really? That's Boy, I'm worried about uh, Brother Kamal. I'm worried about him too. And we watch TV and we get worried about the government. We, want, we get worried about wearing masks and not wearing masks and the chip and all the we, mark of the beast and all these weird things. We get so worried about stuff and we, not, we don't even have enough worries in our personal life. We've got to watch TV to get some more worries. <laughs> I got an idea. Give it to the Lord. <laughs> Lord, and here's what we got to say. There's nothing I can do about this. That's the problem. There's nothing we can do about it anyway. So 
We need to give it to him. All of our worries, we need to give it to the Lord. We need to put it, put it to prayer and, and, and start praying and asking God, Lord, I need you to do something. I, I need you to take care of this. Paul says, be careful for nothing but in everything in prayer. Here's what some of us need to do. We need to go home, find some Amazon boxes. Come on, ladies, don't look at me. I know you got Amazon boxes all over the place. And you need to write God on one. You need to write worries on the other. And go home and find some three-by-five cards and sit down and write everything that you're worried about. Worried about my finances. I'm worried about my husband. I'm worried about, and just, I'm worried about my kid. Whatever you're worried about, and then take those worries and give them to the Lord. And here's what you do. You start worrying about it again. Make yourself go back to God and say, okay, God, I'm going to worry about this for a little bit. Put it back in your box. I mean, that's kind of foolish. It's the same thing that you're doing when you're worrying. I'm preaching to myself today, so don't look at me like that, but I, I'm preaching to myself. Hey, we do that, and, and so sometimes we take, we take from God. We take from His power. We take from God's sovereignty. We take from God. He's the one that can take care of it, and we put the pressure on ourselves like we can do anything anyway. We must stop. Here's the principle. We must stop. We must stop undervaluing the power of prayer. Oh, we undervalue it. We, under, we say things like, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. I've said that before. And I'm sure you have as well. Well, all we can do now is pray. It's not that we sit, we don't take care of business. But, but listen, how many understand that prayer is the most powerful thing that we can do? Is ask the Lord to do something. I have prayers in my life right now. I have absolutely no control over. God is going to have to do something and so do you. Well, I guess all we can do now is pray. No, no, no. That's not all we can do. That's the best thing that we can do. We can tap into the most powerful force that's ever existed. The force that can move mountains with the faith of a grain of mustard seed. Listen, if we just ask God to do it, he can do it. He can do it. Oh, we need to tap into that. You might be asking, well, does prayer work? Prayer does two things. Letter A, prayer moves the hand of God. Moves the hand of God. John 15, 7. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask, and he, ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Take that piece of paper. You can pick it up, you can cry, you could weep, you could, you could wring it in and out, you could rock back and forth and think about it all you want. It won't do any good. But how many recognize you give it to God? He could do something with it. Hey, when you give your worries to the Lord, it's in good hands, amen? 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. God is listening to us. I love the song, Why Worry? It's a song we, we don't sing it very often, but it goes like this. Why worry? When you can pray, trust Jesus. He'll be your stay. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Trust fully on his promise. Why worry, 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 worry? When you can pray. How many of you have ever sung that? Maybe when you were younger. I love that song. Why worry? Why worry when you can pray? It moves the hand of God. Not only that, since we're talking about the mind, prayer, letter B, rewires our brain. It rewires our brain. Uh, if you're new to our church today, I, I talk about In-N-Out a lot because I love it. It's one of my favorite places to eat. We go there a lot, and uh, people get mad at me for talking about it during church because it makes them hungry. I won't talk about an, a double-double animal style with animal-style french fries, a, a large Diet Coke, and a strawberry milkshake. I won't even mention it, all right? I think I'm having Filipino food for lunch today. I'm excited. But I go to In-N-Out. I'm not making this up. This is a true story. I, my wife was sitting here, here at the 830 service. I, I go to In-N-Out so much. I shouldn't go there. I'm trying to back off, trying to become more healthy. And so I'm eating it less, maybe, maybe two or three times a week instead of every day. So I'm just kidding. The other day, we were in our car. It's my wife, my four boys were driving, and we were trying to decide where to eat. 
Do you ever take a poll or a vote in your car with your kids on where to eat? Don't do it. I want to eat. I want McDonald's. I want, you know, all this stuff. And, and boy, McDonald's, you know, amen. But anyway, and so my, my kids are, my, and so a couple of my boys wanted In-N-Out, and then a couple of us wanted uh, El Pollo Loco, the crazy chicken. And so mom gets the deciding vote. She gets like 10 votes, amen? All, all five of us boys can vote for something. If she votes for something, we go where she wants. Anyway, so, she's, we, so we're, going to, we're going to El Pollo Loco, okay? We're across town. We're driving to El Pollo Loco, and we're driving along. And uh, we're talking, you know, laughing as a family, having a good time. We, we try to keep it light and have a good time as a family. And so all of a sudden, my, I, my wife looks at me. She goes, what in the world are you doing? I was in the in and out line waiting to go to In-N-Out. I literally just drove straight there. I, I didn't even think about it. I'm not, I'm telling you, this is a true, this is a true story. Two days later, we decided to go to Chick-fil-A for breakfast. Again, I drove straight to In-N-Out for <laughs> breakfast. You say, what is that? That's an addiction problem is what that is. <laughs> need some help. My brain is wired to go there. It just is. It just is. Here's the, here's the neat thing about prayer. I love this. Here's the neat thing. When you decide in your life to start working on this, because it's going to take some time. It doesn't happen overnight. When you decide in your life to start taking your worries and giving them to the Lord, you're going to start to rewire your brain. Instead of sitting there in your bed and, and sweating and worrying about what's going to happen, now you're going to train yourself, I'm just going to give that to the Lord in prayer. And it'll rewire your brain. And so hopefully over time, instead of worrying so much, we'll be taking things to God in prayer, and we can create in our life a vibrant prayer life where we're taking things to God in prayer we're renewing those pathways, and instead of being upset and laying awake at night and burdening yourself with all the things that could possibly go wrong, instead of doing all that, we find ourselves in our prayer closet. Say, okay, pastor, so we need to put our worries into perspective and make God bigger than our problems. I get it. We need to take our worries to the Lord in prayer. I get that. I need to give my worries to God. But what happens when that's not good enough? What happens when the anxieties and the worries creep back in? What do I do then? Has anybody ever been there? You're trying to pray about it and you're trying to give it to the Lord. And you can't. Maybe you've been there in your life. I've been there a few times. Maybe you've been there. You know what I'm talking about. What do I do then, pastor? What do I do then? All right, let's go on to some next level stuff here. Are you ready? If you're ready, say amen. 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 You're ready for this? Here it is. Look at verse seven. Paul says this. Okay, so we're careful for nothing and everything by prayer and supplication. Notice verse seven. Read it with me. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This verse is so loaded with doctrine. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep. That word keep means to protect. Shall protect your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. I, was, uh, I got a phone call about two months ago. I was standing in the East Auditorium, answered the phone. It was a dear lady on the phone, Mrs. Hernandez, Angela Hernandez. She said, Pastor. I said, hi. I said, how are you doing? Haven't seen you in a few months. Is everything okay? She said, oh, it's not good. She said, I was diagnosed with cancer again. It's very aggressive. And she started telling me what she's going through. And she said, I'm going to try to do treatments. I'm going to try to fight it. And she said, but it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. I said, oh, Mrs. Hernandez. And I said this statement. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She said this, she said, I'll, she said, it's okay. She said, it's okay. I know where I'm going. She said it just like that. I know where I'm going. 
She went home with the Lord, I think, two days ago, all the way up until her death. She said, I, I'm fine. God has me. I'm good. Many times I, I sat at the bedside of a, of a member. Sometimes they're old. Sometimes they're, they're younger. Many times I've had Christians look at me in the eyes. Brother Renison, you know what I'm talking about. They look at you in the eyes and they say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Lord, I'm ready to see the Lord in my life. Can I ask you a question? How is that possible? We don't know. You say, what do you mean we don't know? Look at this verse. It says, which passeth all understanding. God's peace is so powerful. God's peace is so real. God's peace is so amazing and so wonderful and so encapsulating. It is so incredible. God's peace doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. I've sat with people in their living rooms and I've talked to them. And quite frankly, I'm at loss for words. I don't know what to say. And as a pastor, you do with people at the worst of their life, the worst of times, and they have the peace of God and it just doesn't calculate. It passes all understanding. You say, Pastor, how do I get to that point where I have the peace of God? And how do I get to that point where it passes all understanding? I don't know what else to say other than this. Number three, we need to put our worries in God's protection. We need to give it completely to God and his protection. How do we experience this peace of God? How do we explain it? Uh, There's no way to explain it. It's beyond comprehension, that peace of God that he gives us. Here's the principle that Paul is teaching us. We experience the peace of God when we put ourselves under his protection. Are you looking for peace of mind today? You'll find peace of mind, not in a pill. You won't, I said this morning, half the crowd didn't know what I was talking about. That's okay. You're not going to find peace of mind in a gummy bear. You're not going to find peace of mind in a bottle or a relationship or a brand new job or a new paycheck or a new city. You're not going to find peace of mind there, but you can find peace of mind in God's protection, in his protection. You say, what do you mean by that? You know, it's more than just giving God our worries. We can do that, right? We can take our worries to God and say, okay, God, I give you this worry and I give you that worry. Sometimes that isn't good enough. Sometimes, brother, brother, sister, what we need to do is we need to put ourselves in God's care and put our whole life in his care. Say, God, I don't understand what you're doing, but I need peace in my mind. I cannot track you, but I'm going to trust you. I don't understand why you're doing this in my life. I don't understand why you've allowed this to happen. But God, I'm going to completely 100% put my life, my heart, and my mind in your protection. You might be thinking, how in the world can I do that through Christ? Through Christ? Look at what it says. It says, the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your mind. How? Through Christ Jesus. Here's the principle. When you have Christ in your heart and Christ is in your life and you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you get this peace of God that passes all understanding. Listen, I don't know about you, but I am so glad today that I know Jesus Christ as my Savior because in those moments in time in my life and in your life where we don't know what to say, when we don't know what to do, we have a Savior that we can look to. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says, If we be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When you trust Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that Him, of course, Christ and the Father are one, and we become with Christ in God. We are in God's protection. 
John chapter number 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them to me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. And then Christ makes this statement. I and my father are one. I don't know if you're getting this today, but if you're in Christ, you're in the father's hand. That's peace you can't buy, brother. That's peace you can't find in the world. That's peace you cannot find uh, anywhere but in Christ. Oh, listen today. It's time to put some things in perspective. Maybe you're here and you think, man, I'm going through all these things. Why is God allowing this? I want to read you one more verse. Romans chapter number 8, verse 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I know some people believe, if you believe this today, I'm not trying to hurt you. If you want to talk about it more, we can but some people believe that once you get saved, once you come to Christ and you accept Christ and he gives you the Holy Spirit, Ephesians says sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. They believe that if they do enough bad things, then they can lose that and Christ will leave them. That's a pretty, that's a pretty bold statement to say that you can pull yourself out of God. Can I ask you a question? If I didn't do anything to earn Christ's salvation, what can I do to keep it? And so he says, nobody can pluck them. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. As it is written, we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, Paul says, no. In all things, we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. I'm almost done. For I am persuaded, Paul says, I'm convinced. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nothing, nor death, depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. God loves you. and You're in his care. Let him take care of you. Let him call the shots. Trust in him today. Oh, listen today. If we want to find peace of mind, we can. We just have to put some things in perspective. It's not that we don't have worries because we do. No, we just need to recognize that God is bigger than our worries. Say, Pastor, what do I do with those worries? Take them to the Lord and leave them there. If you're tempted to think about it, to worry about it again, go pull it out of his box and you go ahead and and, and try to take care of yourself. No, no, we want to leave it there. Put it to prayer and leave it there. Maybe we're going through something in life and that's not good enough. We're having a hard time. Listen, put your life, let God have it. Let, Let God take care of you. Let God protect your mind and your heart. We're safe, safe in the arms of God. There's nothing that can separate us from Christ. Oh, we can find peace of mind today. We can find peace of mind today. Perhaps you're here. You don't know for sure that heaven's your home. Listen, can I just tell you something? Not everybody comes to Christ the same way. All of our stories are different. Somebody might have come to Christ when they were a five-year-old boy, like Brother Chris over here. Somebody might have been later in life in their 40s, late 30s, or or, 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 uh, in their 30s, like my dad over here. It might be in your life you came to Christ at a camp. It might be at a church. It might be by your bedside. I don't know, but that moment in time is the most important moment in your life. When you bow your head and you realize, listen, I can't earn my way to heaven. I can't work my way to heaven. There's no amount of good I can do to get to heaven. There's no amount of good I can do to earn it. It's by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So when I put my faith in Jesus and I say, hey, listen, hey, uh, we understand that there's a penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, maybe you're here today. You don't know Christ as your Savior. I want to beg you today 
Would you make today the day that you ask Jesus to save you? Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to close the service.